Dave's in the house. What is going on, Greg? How's everybody doing today? Uh, comfy AF. <laughs> comfy AF? Kinda. I got a little irked this morning, man. What'd you get irked about? Eh, people saying that they were gonna, they were just gonna sit back and wait and see if somebody was coming in to rescue us or if, or if somebody was gonna do something. Oh, those people. Kind of drives me a little crazy. Not everybody. I would like to say the dog fan did not actually say that, but there were others. Yeah, there's always people like that. Uh, people like to push doom porn and all that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I just I just do my best to ignore those people. Yeah. It can be a challenge sometimes, though. I mean, what do you say to that? I mean, like, what what's your thing? Hey, everybody, by the way, this is Dave Hayes, a.k.a. Pray and Medic. He's coming in here. This is Medic Monday. So <laughs> we just jumped right in. But, Jumping right in, where we left off last time when I so brutally it left the show. <laughs> That's so funny. I love being here. Click. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I'm just like, what is going on? All of a sudden, Greg's gone. The, like, I don't know what's happened to me. Uh, <clears throat> what do I say to the to the people who are you know, pessimistic mm -hmm. and pushing doom porn and I know it's going to save us and yeah. Um, mute. <laughs> That's what I say. Click. Big mute button. Um, yeah, sometimes block if they have a really bad attitude. Everyone is entitled to their attitude. Everyone is also entitled to their opinion. And, uh, you know, you and I live a life of faith. Uh, if, if you're walking with Jesus and you don't know that everything we do comes from a position of believing and trusting, then uh, I don't even, I don't, you know, I used to be an atheist, you know, most of my life. So I, at that point I thought, well, it's all up to me. No one's mm -hmm. going to help me. No one's going to save me. Uh, I have to make my own way in the world. You know, there isn't some guy who's going to like give me favor. And then, you know, when I came to know God, I started to realize, holy cats. He, he, he was helping me in so many ways. Uh, you know, as I'm writing this dream book, I'm going back over my, my dream journal and uh, over the last, you know, 12 years, just, I'm just blown away at how much God has warned me of impending danger, how he has uh, given me hints about the ways he wanted to provide for me if I would continue writing. And... You know, I, I've just been living this life of faith. Like somebody asks for uh, prayer for a disease, you know, I pray for them. But that prayer is a trust. It is a it's a trust that I have that when I pray for this person, they're going to be healed. Many times they are because of faith. It's all about faith. And this whole thing with you know Trump and where the country is going, the perspective. That that I you and I have is the same perspective. It's faith. 
I trust that certain people are involved in the process who are who have our best interest at heart and have the ability to facilitate uh, the, the, the thing that needs to happen. And here's, here's an example. Uh, I was talking with some friends last night and it suddenly dawned on me that Ad, uh, General Paul Nakasone is still the head of the NSA. Huh. Right, so Biden has removed and replaced some people in key positions, but General Nakasone, who was Trump's pick for NSA director, is still there. He hasn't been replaced. And I was thinking about it, like, okay, what's the deal? Why would they not place Nakasone, replace him? Because, you know, Nakasone was sort of, um, I'm sure that Admiral Rogers had some something to do with Nakasone's choice as his successor for the head of Cyber Command and NSA. Mm -hmm. And if Nakasone is a patriot, and if he is a person who can be trusted, why is he still at NSA? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've just been kind of thinking about things like that. Why, if, if Biden is in control, if the bad guys are in control, why is Joe Biden flying an aircraft that when it shows up on flight radar, it's under the call sign NA? Mm -hmm. He has not yet flown under the call sign Air Force One the entire time he's been president. His aircraft is NA. Now, why is that happening? Uh, why, why doesn't the military give him the, the call sign Air Force One? Somebody right. in, the, in the military is not recognizing him as president. You know, why is the White House and the White House press corps already putting out these green screen fakes of Biden, you know, walking up to Marine One, oh, let me talk to the press here, my hand goes through the microphone. Oh, no, that was a video this, anomaly. That was a video yeah, anomaly. Right. He's walking <laughs> down the, this hall in the White House, and the cameras are there, and all of a sudden the top of Biden's head is missing because he's on a wall that's, uh, that has the same wallpaper that's similar to the color of his hair. And the top of his head disappears. Oh, wait a minute. Green screen. <laughs> I'm just l looking at all these things going, why, why is there all this um, anomaly with, with Biden? Why the green screen stuff? Why the, is he not on Air Force One? Or what, the, not using call sign Air Force One? Um, why are they trying so hard to convince us that Biden is a legitimate president? And, you know, why are they failing so miserably, right? So I just look at that stuff, and I wake up in the morning and I laugh. I'm wondering, like, what is going to be the next thing, the next hilarious moment in the fake presidency of, of Joe Petto? Um, I, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, there, are, there are a lot of people who want to, you know, push doom porn. And, oh, no one's going to help us. No one's going to rescue us. Oh. Well, you know what? In, in a sense, that's true. In a sense, that's true. Mm -hmm. um, I, no one is going to rescue this country but us. Rescuing this country from the grip of evil people is up to us, ultimately. Um, the people, we the citizens, have a responsibility to maintain control of the government. There is no government in this country except by the consent of the governed. We withdraw our consent 
there is no government. And we have become laxed and lazy and we've become uh, disin disinterested in the process, in the, in the political process. And, you know, much to their credit, uh, politicians have made the process boring and uninteresting to get us to disengage from the process. Mm -hmm. Now that, you know, we've all seen the election fraud, we've seen the corruption in, in the courts, in Congress, uh, we've seen corruption in, in, you know, all the different institutions in society, uh, it is up to us to take back control of our country. Um, you know, maybe some of the people who, who could step in and do something are waiting for us to do something. Mm -hmm. And it's actually happening. Uh, here in Arizona, we've got a, a massive grassroots movement where people are getting involved in, in the election process. We've got a, a, an election integrity group, and they're doing a lot of work. They're working with uh, Amistad Project and Phil Klein and other people. And they are working actively every day to uh, take back control of the electoral process. And, you know, we're going to be going through uh, the two and a half, or 2.1 million ballots that were cast in Maricopa County here pretty soon. Uh, Karen Fan, who is the, the president of the Senate, she is working to put together a large team of experts who are going to audit uh, the votes in Maricopa County. They're going to audit the machines. They're going to hand count the ballots. They're going to go, go through a very extensive process to look at, at every aspect of the 2020 uh, election. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you they're going to find fraud. I found, found out some things last night that are going to shock people. When they, when they see and hear what is going to be discovered, uh, people are going to be shocked Tell us. when the truth comes out. And that's the kind of thing that we need to be doing as citizens. We need to be holding our local, state, and national leaders accountable. And that's starting to happen. You know, it's happening in places like Antrim, Michigan. Uh, Antrim, Michigan, yesterday, uh, I think they, they voted to hand count all the ballots in an upcoming primary. They're not going to allow any of the Dominion voting machines to be in the process. That's, that kind of thing is going to happen in Pennsylvania. It's going to happen in Illinois. It's going to happen in Wisconsin. It'll happen in uh, in Georgia and Arizona, places where voting uh, has, has had some big problems. The people are not going to allow this to go forward. And and so you know when people say, oh, no one's going to come in and save us. Well, maybe you know we get, need to get involved in the process and take back control of the process ourselves. I see that happening. At least it's happening here in Arizona. Uh, I think that. There, it's, it's a combination. It's not just this you know, thing where somebody has to come and rescue us from the bad guys. Part of the equation is we need to take back control of the system where, where we have the ability to hold our elected leaders accountable. The other part of the process is you know, when we do our part, God does his part. Well, I think good people in the military are going to do their part uh, at some point in the future. I'm not exactly sure when that's going to happen, but that is what God has shown me. So, you know, it's all a doom porn pushers. I'm sorry. I, I'm not, I'm not buying what you're, what you're laying down. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's such a weird time, you know, like I think, I think people have gotten so comfy, you know, for president Trump to do everything, you know, himself, or it's like, it's a little unrealistic, you know? Yeah, it is unrealistic. You know, 
Trump wasn't able to do a lot of things in the White House um, because certain things are beyond his um, his control. Uh, Trump doesn't have an ability to control the media, and the media, you know, is continually like, gaslighting people. Mm-hmm. Well, it's up to us, uh, you know, citizen journalists, uh, digital warriors, to go out onto the spaces in in on the internet and help people see the truth. Mm-hmm. Trump can't do that himself. That's our job. Yeah. Uh, to to correct the narrative, to establish a, a true narrative of what's happening in, in in the culture, and combat the lies of the media. And, and there are a lot of other things like that where Trump has had and has a limited ability to to deal with the problem. You know, he did what he could, uh, and I think he's going to do more in the future. But you know, I think the fact that that we've got you know, Joe Biden and, and Kamala in is a, I hope this shakes people up. I hope that people become frightened enough or concerned enough to get involved in the process, to get on social media and to get involved in their local you know, political uh, affairs mm-hmm. and, and, and exert the c- control that they can rather than expecting someone else to do it for them. That's how we've been for the, our, most of our society has lived for a long time. Just expecting that, you know, there are good people in control and they're going to take care of everything and we don't have to do anything. We can just sit here and, and be comfy and, you know, uh, it, it's that's not really how our society is designed to work. It's designed in such a way that we need to be involved in the process. You can't just let somebody else take care of it. Well, don't you think they kind of designed that over the last few presidents and stuff too? Like, no, 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 we got this, folks. We we got to let. We'll tell you how to act and what to do. We got. We, it's for your best interests. Yeah, and it's become uh, it's become more pervasive, you know, with social media, not just to the point where you know we've got this. We'll we'll tell you, you know, how things are going to be. But with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, we'll tell you what to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think something or say something that's not uh, appropriate according to our standards, uh, we will let you know. And if you don't listen to us, we'll get rid of you. You'll <laughs> leave the platform. Um, yeah, the, the control over the system has has grown. The control that they want over the system. And, and it's up to us to take control back. Mm-hmm. Like, again, you know, uh, do we let Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, this, you know, Silicon Valley, decide how our country is going to be run, what our values are? Do we let them control the narrative in the public um, and the public flow of information? I don't think we can do that. And that is why we're having our broadcast today. Yeah. You know, we're, we're on here. Uh, discussing things and doing live streams and putting things out on social media because we realize we we have to fight this control issue that they've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to take back control of the airwaves, control of the public space. And we need to, you know, if it, sometimes it comes down to filing a lawsuit. You know, uh, Project Veritas uh, filed a lawsuit against the New York Times 
and, and it's moving forward to discovery. It's the first time in, in like forever that someone has gotten that far in a defamation case against the New York Times. Almost every time someone brings a defamation case against the New York Times, it's dismissed uh, out of hand, and they don't even go to discovery. This one is going to go to discovery mm-hmm. with Project Veritas because the, the judge in the case decided that the New York Times likely was guilty of actual malice. And in, in the defamation case, normally with the average citizen, someone who's not popular, uh, in order to prove defamation, you have to demonstrate that someone said something about you that is, that is not true. Um, if the person is a public figure, there's an additional burden of proof. In addition to proving that they said something not true, you have to demonstrate that they acted in malice, they call it actual malice, uh, that they had malicious intent. And that's, that's a little bit difficult to prove. How do you prove that someone had malicious intent? Well, in this case of Project Veritas, um, the judge said it's likely that the New York Times did act with actual malice when they falsely reported on Project Veritas and, and slandered him and called him names and, and uh, said that he, he was using deceptive techniques, which he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of uh, litigation against the establishment media, that's, a, that's what some of us need to be doing. Yeah. Now, um, I have I've entertained bringing lawsuits against the mainstream media outlets for slandering me and saying things that are untrue. Uh, in one case, they accused me of committing a crime that I, that I did not commit. That's a, ca- that's a clear case of actual malice. If yeah. I brought a lawsuit against the, new, the outlet that said I, I had committed a crime, when I didn't commit a crime, clear-cut case of actual malice, take that to court, defamation lawsuit, and the judge is going to like give you an award every time. Slam dunk. Um, you know, the, the mainstream media does this kind of crap because no one pushes back against them. And, the, and now we're, we're starting to push back. People are suing the mainstream media. They're suing social media platforms. Um, you know, some countries like Russia, is, Russia is pushing back against uh, Facebook and Twitter and probably going to ban them because they're using practices that um, that they shouldn't be using. So, you know, there's this there's this war going on. I guess some people don't like the war. <laughs> they just want someone to come in, clean it all up, make it all nice, uh, you know, take control of everything. Well, you know, we're digital warriors because we're in a freaking battle. Yeah, uh, this isn't going to be handed to us on a on a silver plate. We have to True. battle this thing every day. Every day you get up, it's another battle against uh, an oppressive regime that doesn't want you to to be able to speak your mind. They don't want you challenging the narrative. They don't want you um, pushing back against the status quo. And the reality is, we're winning. They're losing, and they know it. That's you know, one, one way that you can tell who's winning or who's got the momentum in a battle is to look at the, the tactics and strategies of your opponent. And when Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter started to ban people like us, kick us off, shut down our, our uh, accounts, that was a big signal to us that we were winning the narrative. Because if we weren't winning, 
they wouldn't, there would be no need for them to kick us off the platform. So the true. fact that they removed us, they removed our accounts, shut us all down, you know, when Twitter uh, suspended like, I don't know, 10 million people in that one uh, sweeping movement, I think it was in January, uh, that was a huge sign that we're winning in this, in this narrative war because they were so desperate from losing control of the narrative, they had to get rid of a bunch of people. And that kind of desperation tells me we're winning the war. Uh, you know, who goes to Twitter now to, to you know, get their news and find out what's going on? I, I don't. There's nothing happening on Twitter. There's no one there who's no. worth listening to other than maybe Pompeo and Scavino and a couple people. Yeah. Uh, I accidentally you know, went the other day and it was like, ew. Yeah. I mean, as, as they remove all the important people from a social media platform, who's left? Why would anyone go there? You know, so people are going to Gab, they're coming to CloudHub, they're going to other places. And, uh, and that's as it should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, I think we're winning the, the war for the digital uh, space. And, you know, Trump's going to come back in a couple of months and he's going to have his own new social media platform. That'll be interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see what kind of services he's going to offer. Will it have you know, direct messages? Will it have video hosting? Will it have groups? You know, what's it going to be like? Uh, no one knows, anyone's guess. But it's, I think it's always good to have people developing new tools for social media. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that and uh, looking forward to Trump getting back in the game, posting more regularly, and being more involved in steering the narrative on social media. It's so much fun to watch him slap out, though, with his uh, with his messages, you know, that are, that are coming out from his, uh, you know, the office of the former president, you know. <laughs> I love those, man. Those are just like whaps. Those are just smacks. I mean, he's he's holding no punches. I mean, it never has, but. No, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if this is the thing. Like, when I first heard that yesterday, you know, that he was coming back out in two to three months. Now, I don't know if you remember, but uh, General Flynn was on Matrix and Shady. Uh, the, in December, I think it was like mid-December, and he was talking about a social media platform, a new one. I wonder if this is, uh, I wonder if this is part of that. Uh, yeah, it might be. It, it's hard to say, and I, I, I don't know much about it. Um, I know that Mike Lindell has is developing a new platform. Uh, now we hear from Jason Miller that Trump is uh, developing a new one. It'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. Um, I hope they've done a lot of uh, design and research on it. I hope they come out out of the box with a complete, robust, functional social media platform mm-hmm. rather than some clunky piece of junk that doesn't, doesn't work right. and has to wait three or four years to get upgraded to where it actually functions the way it's supposed to. Uh, I, I hope they come out with something that, that's, uh, that is highly functional and a joy to use rather than a headache. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not talking crap about anybody's platforms. I just I've you know everybody and their brother has tried to develop a, a new social media platform. I get invitations all the time from people who want me to try the, the latest, greatest social media uh, platform. Most of them are crap. Uh, yeah. they, just, they need three or four more years of development. Um, I, I'm hoping that it's not going to be one of those platforms. That I, I hope that it's highly functional and fun to use and has a lot of features. But you know we'll see. 
Well, we kind of know, you know, seeing from the inside a little bit with everything Jeff Brain's going through over at CloudHub. I mean, he yeah. he basically had to create a whole new streaming platform in, you know, three to four months time, yeah. time period. So, And he doesn't have an unlimited budget to do it either. So that makes it even you know, more difficult. Yeah, that that's that's a great point about him too, though. I mean, he's not doing this with any DARPA money or anything. So, exactly. That's you know, people don't realize that how hard it is to create a uh, an efficient, uh, nice-looking, highly functional social media platform. Uh, the reason Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube function so well is because of the DARPA money. They had an unlimited budget and unlimited access to technology that the rest of the marketplace didn't have. Everyone else is, you know, investing their own money and it's really, it's expensive and it's difficult to develop that kind of technology uh, outside of, you know, the military industrial complex. <laughs> Anyone who does it, I get hats off to them. It's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy at all. But, you know, I mean, I think it's people like Jeff Brain that are stepping up and they're not going to take it. I, I will always love the fact that he, he had our backs, you know, when, uh, when they were deplatforming us and taking us down everywhere, and and you know they even took us down for a, for a period of time over on CloudHub, but you know he had our backs, got us back up there. You know, it's people like yeah, that. that I, are gonna yeah, change. I have no plans to bail out on CloudHub. Now, uh, Jeff has uh, earned my re my trust and my respect. He took a bullet for all of us when we got you know kicked off of YouTube and then off of uh, Periscope. Unlike a lot of other places. He put his money where his mouth was, you know, decided to build his own servers to host videos for us and allow us to live stream. And it's mostly a lot of Q people. I mean, all the Q accounts who got kicked off, Jeff was like, well, you know, you guys need a place to have your, uh, your say, free speech. So he, he really, you know, built the platform for a very small, marginalized group of people like us. Mm -hmm. And for that, I will forever be in his debt. And I, I have no plans to bail on CloudHub. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I like it. that The video is, is getting, uh, the live streaming and video service is coming along. It's getting more functional. I know you're looking forward to them adding chat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't but, know if I've mentioned that before. Uh, <laughs> well, we're very interactive, you know? Yeah. Um, for me, I'm just glad that I have a place where I can host my, you know, my Q video archive, mm -hmm. know that uh, in a couple of months because someone decided to change their mind and, well, now they don't like Q. Um, I'm, I'm satisfied with just having my video or videos archived somewhere and I know they're not going to uh, get taken down, so. Do you have all your Q stuff over there on, uh, on CloudHub now? I do. All my Q videos and all my Supernatural Saturday videos, they are archived on CloudHub. However, they're not all viewable. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I've, I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do with those videos. I have them all uploaded there. I've got in the titles and the thumbnails and descriptions. I haven't yet decided what I'm going to do with them. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about that, praying about, you know, what I'm going to do with the videos in the future. There isn't a lot of interest in, in, you know, my videos right now. Every once in a while, someone will send me a message and say, hey, you know, do you have a video on this, you know, date or that date or this post? But there isn't a whole lot of interest in my Q videos right now. Uh, and 
Remember when we did the switch over on the website and we lost like 600 posts from the website? I don't like to think about that, Dave. That was a very uncomfortable moment for me. I, I know, I know. Look, it wasn't your fault. You know, stuff happens. It's not like you did it on purpose. Oh my gosh, man. So it was terrible. Like, I, I helped Dave work on the new site and, and yeah, we lost like 600 posts and I'm like, oh, I just ruined the entire movement. Oh my gosh, how could I have done this? Well, I've been kind, of been kind of thinking about that whole thing. Like, what happened with those? Like, where did they go? And, and how did they just disappear from that folder? But the funny thing is, um, it was not long after that that Q went dark. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Rather than trying to recreate all these posts and put all these videos back up here, because at that time, it was hard to find a place because I my YouTube account had just gotten, uh, been shut down. And at that time, I was like, you know, I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, because then we got into uh, into January, and then we had the incident at the Capitol, mm-hmm. and then Q becomes persona non grata and is the you know uh, on the FBI's most wanted list. Yeah. I thought you know maybe we'll just maybe we'll just sit back a little bit and wait and see what happens before uh, I determine what is going to happen to all my Q videos. So, uh, long story short, uh, the Q videos are on CloudHub. They're not all available right now. I, I have them uh, sitting in a bunker waiting to see what we're going to do in the future. But, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't mean to bring, I didn't mean to bring that up to, like, rub salt in your wounds. But, <laughs> no, 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 but it's all good. People... Wait, we're still friends through it, right? <laughs> I yeah. ran into some challenges doing Dave's website that I never had before anywhere. And, I mean, I think some of it was attacked oh, yeah. by the enemy and, you know. Uh, all the DDoS attacks we were getting and oh, yeah. all the malware. Oh, people don't realize what, what kind of attacks we were getting on that website uh, and still are. Um, yeah, It we, hasn't stopped. We got on like, the that? third different place host in that thing too. I mean, you know, just yeah, keeping that site alive. I, I'm pretty happy with uh, with Vanuatech right now. Um, they're giving me pretty really good hosting service. And um, I can't say that was true for Bluehost, that's for sure. Um, I think I think someone inside Bluehost was actually putting malware in her files. Yeah. Um, I can't explain anywhere else where that stuff would have come from. But uh, the, the reason I brought all this up was not, like I said, not to rub salt in your wounds, but just to let other people know there's a reason why all of our, my Q posts disappeared from the website. It wasn't because I took them down. It was because... Well, we had a little glitch in a in the changeover. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, Greg's very yeah, uncomfortable well, at the moment. I'm not feeling comfy AF. Uh. I, I, I know, but let's let's move on to something else. So let's get you comfy again. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I got the vapors. Um, oh, it's getting warm in here. <laughs> Nah, you know, I mean, we, we, yeah, okay, so moving along. Um, <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> it's not, it's a challenging world. But since we're talking about Q a little bit, so, so you think that's it? You think it's over? You think it's done? You know, no more? Nope. I don't. I think Q is taking a break. And I'm very glad Q is taking a break because I got a couple of books I got to write while Q is on uh, taking a siesta. Uh, but no, I don't think the operation is over. I think that with the change of administration, with Biden being being in the White House, 
or at least in front of a green screen that appears to be the White House. Um, it, it's, I think it's difficult for Q to post right now. Uh, there are probably some people in the Biden administration who are looking to see if they can find out who Q is, where Q is posting from. I think if Q posted, there'd be a bunch of people trying to figure out where is Q posting from, get the IP address, get the location, figure out who it is. And I think that for reasons of, of operational security, it would be dangerous for Q to post right now. Yeah. I don't think Q is going to post anytime in the near future until the arrests happen. Boom. All right. So we've got Durham out there. No, yes, that's right. Uh, U.S. Attorney Durham, who is also a special prosecutor, still no leaks from the Durham investigation. What has Durham been investigating for four years? Uh, you know, Uranium One, the Clinton Foundation, uh, corruption in in the FBI and DOJ. There's there's a lot of things that he's investigating, and I I expect at some point he's going to have to make arrests and unseal indictments. And there's an interesting dynamic going on right now because. Uh, Biden got his attorney general approved. So Merrick Garland is now the attorney general. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be watching Merrick Garland and see how he interacts with Durham. If, if you just kind of think about uh, a little bit of 3D chess, what is the deep state trying to do with respect to John Durham? Well, if they believe that Durham has indictments against them, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, uh, Loretta Lynch, Hillary Clinton, Obama, all those people. What they're going to want to do is to put in Merrick Garland and get him to shut down what Durham is doing, uh, prevent the arrest, prevent the indictments from being unsealed. Right. So I would anticipate that someone in the DOJ, whether it's Merrick Garland or somebody else, would try to quash whatever Durham is doing. Mm -hmm. If that happens, if they start, you know, putting pressure on Durham, uh, then Durham has a couple of choices. Number one, he goes with them, goes along. No one gets arrested. There are no indictments, and everyone just waltzes off into the into the sunset. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, the other possibility is that Durham. If Durham gets pressure from the DOJ, he starts unsealing indictments and people uh, get arrested. That's going to come to a head. Durham's been on the back burner for a long time. And I think as the deep state advances their agenda, and if they try to use Merrick Garland to get Durham to shut down what Durham is doing, it's going to force Durham to make a move. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he's, Durham is going to have to make his move sooner rather than later. We're getting to the point where his investigation is going to be on the front burner. At yeah. some point, he's going to have to make a move, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that's going to look like. There's a third option for Durham. I suppose that he could just turn over uh, his investigation to the military and let them deal with it. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't given up uh, hope on Durham. He's still out there. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, Durham's not, if Durham was going to arrest anybody, he would have done it a long time ago. Yeah, well, you know what? He's, his investigation is not closed. He hasn't uh, closed up shop. He hasn't filed a report, which means it's still ongoing. 
and it's a little too premature to judge what is going to happen with Durham. But I think that um, I think we're going to see a resolution on Durham's investigation sooner rather than later. Not predicting any time frame. I'm not saying you know when it's going to happen, but uh, I don't think it's going to continue just being on hiatus forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got that special prosecutor status too, man. And he, he does. And he and resigned means, from Connecticut. And that means the DOJ does not have to approve uh, any of his prosecutions. You know, the, the indictments that he's got, his investigation is self-contained. He doesn't need approval from Merrick Garland or the DOJ to make arrests and prosecute people. No, he it's totally independent from the DOJ. So that's, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there. Yeah, me too. Me too. Wait, uh, so people are putting in since we're still on the, the uh, you know, Secret Patriot Insider friend. Oh, Q's done. So I think that I, you, you asked, you know, do I think Q's done? I don't think Q's done. I think that I believe the military at some point is going to make a move mm-hmm. uh, and intervene in the Biden administration. I think there are going to be arrests. And I think after the military makes their move, after the arrests happen, Q is probably going to come back. Yeah. Um, and I would expect Q to then continue the operation and walk us through the process of the arrests and the indictments and everything. The, the takedown of the cabal is then going to commence. The thing that everyone's been waiting for, that's going to commence. I don't think Q is just going to go dark when there's all these people getting arrested and, um, you know, fur is flying. <laughs> that's probably yeah. when Q will come back on the board and uh, walk us through this. So, yeah, I don't think Q's operation is over. Yeah, I don't either. We, I mean, we went through a long stretch of time without him before, so. Yeah. You know, was it, like three months when, in between the, the Chan and 8 Coon? Yep. It was three months when 8chan went down. And, you know, we're in another period where Q's off the board, but that's all right. There's not a whole lot going on. If I was Q, I would be sitting there going, what am I going to post about? Should I post one of those memes of Biden falling up the stairs? <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. Q's literally like us now. Nothing to see here, folks. Uh, they're screwing it all up. Of course they are. Enjoy the show. Yeah. yeah. Now, now speaking of uh, of Akun and the Chans and, and all that stuff, now I've seen in the chat people are bringing up the HBO documentary that came out yesterday. Um, cue the storm. Uh, any thoughts on that? Did you watch it? Are, are you any plans on yeah, watching I, it? Well, um, I don't have a TV in my house. Nicely done, sir. And, and I actually don't have uh, any streaming. I don't do like Netflix or HBO or streaming. I don't watch TV. I, I decided years ago if I'm ever going to write books, I, I don't have the luxury of you know watching TV. I just I just don't. So I, I won't see the HBO documentary. Um, I don't really need uh, HBO's view on Q. I have my own view, and it's, it's based on a lot of research. So I'm, I'm not going to be watching it. Uh, I'll, I'll be observing what people say about it. Uh, yeah. I, I'm interested in getting people's take on it. But, yeah, I won't, I won't watch it. The only thing that really piques my interest is is that Code Monkey's on it. You know, Ron is on it, and I, I see he put out a couple of things on Telegram the last few days. You know, said it was somebody that he respected, and that's why he agreed to be part of it. You know, HBO's kind of putting their their spin on it. He really didn't even know, um, you know, until later that HBO had picked it up. So I, I'm interested in it from that aspect. But 
You know, yeah. like one of the most brilliant things I saw so far today was like, oh, Ron must be Q because he likes pens. <laughs> I have no idea what that even means, but I mean, it's like, it sounds like something mainstream fed. <laughs> yeah, uh, the guy who did the video actually contacted me about a year and a half ago and asked me if I would be interested in doing the documentary with him. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. Denise looked into his, his history. He was, he's, he's pretty liberal. Uh, he's a big Obama uh, fan. And Denise was like, she saw a lot of red flags. She's like, yeah, we're not doing, we're not working with this guy. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out, but I'm not expecting anything really uh, good to come out of it. Uh, people, everyone who's approached me, and I think I've been approached now by probably six different people who wanted to do documentaries on Q. None of them have come to the table with any understanding of what Q is all about. Mm -hmm. I mean, they want to do a documentary on Q, but they haven't even read the posts. Yeah. Let alone, you know, like they want me to work with them on a documentary, but they haven't read any of my books on Q. They haven't read, fought, seen any of my videos. <laughs> They're just like, well, you're one of the guys who's doing the Q stuff. Uh, would you like to do a documentary with us? I'm like, do you even know anything about Q? Everyone who has come to me for the proposal to do a documentary has had the wrong idea of what Q's about. And I'm not going to work with somebody who from, from the very get-go has the wrong perspective on the project. So, um, you know, I, who knows? One day I might write my own screenplay. Uh, I'm, I'm reading these books by uh, Robert McKee. <clears throat> I'm getting his second book, which is called uh, Dialogue. And McKee uh, is... He's that. It's an interesting uh, read for me as a writer. McKee is probably the the most talented and skilled uh, person to discuss the craft of writing, but he's writing for screenwriters, people who write screenplays for Hollywood. Mm -hmm. uh, having said that, a lot of what he writes applies to anyone who writes fiction whether it's novels or short stories. Um, he's a very inspiring author. And as I'm reading his books, I'm thinking, you know, I'm learning about writing screenplays. <laughs> ah. <laughs> reading his books. They're like, would I actually go out on the limb and write my own screenplay for a, for a film on Q? I Cube? want some of that. I know. Uh, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm entertaining it. Uh, you know, I'm just going to pray about it and see where the Lord leads, but it would be funny if, if I actually ended up writing my own screenplay. Medic, the movie, in theaters now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. I would love it. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be one way to get control of the process. Because mm -hmm. if you work with someone who's going to do a film, documentaries are one thing. Documentaries typically don't have a screenplay. It's just a series of interviews and unseen shooting. I would like to see a dramatized version of um, the Q operation. Mm -hmm. I've, I've played around just kind of mentally writing a script, you know, of uh, like the journey of a person like myself in their journey through the Q movement. How do they stumble upon it? How do they interact with Q on social media? How do they read the posts? What is their life like? And I think that could be a very compelling story if it's written correctly. 
and if you include uh, enough conflict, because that's what story is all about. It's all about conflict. And uh, I've been toying with the idea of just at least maybe writing a step outline for a fictional version of, of the Q story. The story is told from the perspective of one person and their life in the Q movement. Um, their interaction, reading the posts, how the posts change your life, how they do research, how they learn about the realities of corruption in society. Um, that that could be a compelling story. And and I'm I'm thinking about, you know, maybe well playing around with the idea of maybe writing a screenplay on that. Um, rather than a documentary, it would just be, you know, a, a straightforward uh, film with some drama and some, you know, intrigue. You're getting some exciting uh, comments over in the chat, man. I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Seth. Right? What do you mean, Miguel Forn? It's like Seth Rogen is Greg Harvey. It's like, what the heck? <laughs> Come on, man. You know Denzel's got to play me, man. <laughs> so, like, 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 so it is an interesting thing how we all came into this movement and stuff. I mean, since we're talking about it today, we may as well just go all the way. So. Like, like, how did you stumble upon that? I mean, I'm sure you've told the story a million times, but in the context of, of you know, writing that, you know, talking about what you just did, I mean, you know, a little brief history there. That would be awesome. Uh, the brief history of my involvement with Q. Yeah. Well, as with everything, it's my wife's fault. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's funny because Denise has been the uh, inciting person in – Everything good that I've done in the last 12 years. Um, I, I'm a puppet. I just do what Denise tells me to do. Um, she's, to be, she's the brains behind the operation. Uh, she was the one who convinced me that I should write, start writing books. She was the one who convinced me I should get a YouTube channel. She convinced me that I should start doing live streams. She convinced me I should start looking into Q. Um, most of the good ideas that I've had over the last 12 years are not my ideas. They were Denise's ideas. God bless you, Denise. Um, she, you know, she, she actually finds all the people that I know on social media who are, who are worth a darn. She's, most of the people that I've followed over the years on YouTube or on, on Periscope, Denise has, has discovered them. And she was you know, surfing YouTube one day, and she found Tracy Beans. And Tracy was doing a QD code. This was probably the first week of November. It was right after Q started. She had been watching the videos. I was listening to them because I didn't have a choice. We're in the same room. And I was just hearing these posts from Q and a lot of answer, asking questions early on. And I had this dream where, in the dream, I was with this guy who looked just like Mr. Miyagi. He was asking me questions. Do you remember this person? And do you know this person? And how are they connected? And you remember this incident? And this person, and how are they connected? He was, he was asking these questions, and he reminded me a lot of the questions that Q was asking on, when, when, uh, in these early posts. And then he told me my understanding of history was completely wrong, that I had been given a false view of history. And if I wanted to know the real view of history, um, I needed to rethink you know, expand your thinking. Yeah, he's almost the words that he used. We got up out of this room. We walked into a larger room and turned, and he kept talking to me and asking me questions. 
Then he stopped, looked me in the eye, and he said, do you understand this is about the children? Hmm. That was the end of the dream. And I was like, okay, what the heck? Uh, I knew that this guy represented the messages that Q was putting out. And then he said, this is primarily about the children. I was like, oh, I think I know what that means. Um, I had done some deep dives into the Clinton Foundation back in July of 2016 because I had a dream where the Lord asked me to go to just look into the Clinton Foundation. So I did a deep dive in the Clinton Foundation for about a month in 2016. So I knew when this guy said, you know, this is primarily about the children. I knew about Haiti and the child trafficking stuff. So at that point, I kind of thought, well, this is about the kids. Then I'm all in, uh, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah. So I just, I just jumped in and started you know, reading the posts, listening to people who were doing QD codes. And I was getting frustrated because I didn't like the way people were doing decodes. <clears throat> I thought they were, especially Jerome Corsi, his decodes oh, were yeah. crap. Um, he, he would like do a two-hour broadcast on Patriot Soapbox, and they would cover like two posts. <laughs> like, holy crap, dude! You can't go any faster. Cover more posts. They were, they were pretty thought, rapid fire back then, too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, they were. There was a lot of posts coming in pretty fast. I also thought that Corsi was making some wrong uh, assumptions, wrong decodes. He was taking certain posts in, in the wrong direction. And to me, it was obvious that he had the wrong take on these uh, posts. Almost like it was intentional. I didn't realize it, but it was intentional until later on we found out that Corsi actually infiltrated the movement. So once again, Denise, with a brilliant idea, said, you know, Dave, you understand these posts better than he does, and you're a better decoder. Why don't you start doing uh, broadcasts and, and explain the Q post? I was like, what? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, Denise. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. She's like, you, you have a, a good voice. You have an ability to explain things. You're a good teacher. You, you're a natural for this. You should do it. And I was like, no, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, she won. And I started doing <laughs> QT codes. I, I, I did my first uh, video decode uh, January 14th. 2018. And I just got into the habit of, after that, oh, you know, Q posted a bunch more today. I'll get everybody caught up on, you know, posts over the last three days. And I was, I think I did three or four videos in January of 2018, just covering the latest posts. And that just became a thing. I just, you know, whenever Q is posting, I, I did Twitter threads explaining them. And, and that's how I got involved in it. Yeah. It's all because of my wife. It's all her fault. <laughs> the story, I'm sticking to it. Amen. Amen. But, you you know, I've always, like, you know, you and X-22 and, you know, like a handful of others, you guys are my main ones, you know. But I just, I love the way that you, you were so thoughtful about everything. And, and you really, you came at it from, uh, from such a calming point of view. But I was also, you were able to really dig in and, and pull out some of the, some of the greatest nuggets ever, man. And, uh, you know, I've, I've always had such respect for you guys for the way that you're able to do that. You know, you've worked with me a lot over the years, man, to keep the main thing the main thing because I would start. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd start <laughs> hopping down some rabbit trails and, and, and I'd say, come back, come back, man. But, uh, 
Yeah, I think you're definitely the right guy for this. You know, Denise saw it way before you, but uh, we're we're all blessed for it. You really well, Denise, exploded Denise, after that too. See, Denise would would not go on camera, and doesn't have the interest in in doing all that stuff. She sees and what needs to be done. She she's really good at identifying. Uh, fill. There's a gap here. There's a void here. Someone needs to fill that void. And she's like, I'm not going to do it, but maybe I can get my husband to do it. <laughs> <laughs> if I, I can convince him to take care of it, you know, we'll, we'll have that void filled. That's how she is. But she identifies things that she would like to do, but doesn't want to do, and then she has me do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got a bunch and, of And that's why I love her. She's, um, she has a, a very unique uh, skill set and a great perspective on life. And, um, I'm very blessed to have her as my wife. So, Amen. And we're blessed she's your wife as well, Dave. Yeah. God bless you, Denise. You got all kinds of Mr. Miyagi stickers coming in over on DLive now, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I see like 20 Mr. Miyagis over on the page. <laughs> okay, so listen. So, you know, Periscope's coming to an end. Uh, what, next yep. week? Mid-next week? Yeah, it's um, going to be integrated into Twitter. Yeah, so so it's not technically going away, but it's kind of going away. You know, the standalone app. But can we talk a little bit about the medic effect? Because I'm seeing in the chat, you know, a lot of people say, you know, they found, you know, they found me through you. They found like Andrea, Julie Lavender, you know, all these people. You know, what exactly is the medic effect? And and thank you for it. But like, how did that whole thing come to be? Because like. Like you put together like this unofficial crew, which I'm such so blessed and honored to be a part of. But it was pretty amazing what you did with that. How much time do we have? Uh, fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. I can <laughs> I can cover that in fifteen minutes. Um, let's see. The medic effect is something that began long before Periscope. I started my social media uh, presence on Facebook back in two thousand nine when I began praying for people to be healed and I wanted to share those stories of, you know, of praying for people in the ambulance. So I got on Facebook and was talking a lot about healing and I got connected with a very large group of people on Facebook who were all interested in healing and deliverance and miracles. And over the course of a couple of years, we developed a, a huge group and, and I facilitated a lot of these group discussions on Facebook uh, between a lot of different uh, people from different streams uh, uh, as far as Christianity goes, some you know, Pentecostal, Charismatic, some other denominations, and, and some non-denominational people. Um, what I learned in that experience is that uh, people really appreciate being part of a community where a lot of people contribute to the conversation, a lot of perspectives are presented, and different um, different resources are made available to the entire community. And social media really is about being social. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand about social media, is that it's not meant to be you putting out your message to on social media and not connecting with anyone else. In order for social media to work, you have to work with other people. Uh, you have to connect with them. You have to create a group. You have to create uh, communities of people 
who share each other's information. Mm -hmm. Facebook then for me evolved into this thing where I was promoting a lot of different authors. I created this group. It's a, it's a group for writers and it's called Time is Right. And we had you know, seven or 800 uh, members of the group at any one time. Mostly bloggers, some published authors, some editors, some graphic designers and different people in, involved in writing and editing. On Facebook, both in the group and on my um, on my page, I liked promoting other authors. I was always posting links to to the books that new new book launches, new blog articles of my friends who had a unique perspective on something that God was doing, something God was saying, some some you know some issue, and my popularity on Facebook came because I was always promoting other people. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't always posting my articles, my videos, my stuff. I realized that if you promote other people, it makes you a kind of a hub for information. God showed me, if you promote other people, I will promote you along with them. A lot of people think that you know, success on social media or whatever you do is all about you promoting yourself. Well, you do need to do a little bit of promotion, but what you really need to do is promote the group, promote other people. And if you put other someone else's message out there, they're going to be grateful. They're going to return the favor, and they'll share your information. And if you promote someone else, they're going to share your information with their audience. So as I found you and Julie Lavender and Andrea Joy and Dilly and a lot of other people, I, I realize there's, there's a lot of different needs, there's a lot of different um, perspectives that people have and, and people want to see information from different content providers. Mm -hmm. And I've always found it um, very fascinating, the dynamic that if you promote other people's messages, they will sometimes uh, turn around and promote your messages. You know, they'll reciprocate. And that just that grows the whole group. The group gets larger, everyone gets connected. Yeah. Uh, people find each other. You find people like you didn't know were out there, and, and they find you. And it becomes this really cool community. And I've always been about building communities. I, I love it when, you know, I post one of your videos or Julie Lavender's, and you guys get like, you know, or Mary Grace. Um, the last video that I put out for on Mary Grace on Twitter had like 27,000 views. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I lost broadcast. Yeah. There's no way that she would get those kind of views on her own. Yeah, but I had a pretty pretty good sized audience, and it was it was a joy for me to put that information out there so that 27,000 people could watch it and find a, a message that and encourage them. So that's the the medic effect is really just the fact that I realize it's important to share other people's information um, because we're a community, we're a body, you know. Yeah. You know, the thumb can't say to the eye, I don't need the eye. I'm a thumb. You know, it's me. It's like, no, we're a body. Uh, the entire body needs what each part of the body provides. And that, you know, that illustration from the Bible is kind of how I look at it on social media. We all need each other, and we all need to promote each other uh, to the best that we can. So so that's the medic effect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, You know, I'm, I mean, I remember I, was, I started following you probably around – Right about the same time you started doing the the QD codes and stuff, and I always loved you and everything. And then, like it was about a year later, you showed up in one of my broadcasts one day, and it was like, 
I was sitting there at my kitchen counter, you know, doing my thing, you know, and then all of a sudden, here comes Praying Medic. I'm like, is that Praying Medic in my broadcast? What? I was so surprised. I was so amazed. And then, you know, we got to be friends and hung out and everything, and then you introduced me to a ton of people, and, you know, I mean, I think every day somebody tells me that they found me through you, and, you know, I, I love what we do, and I do the same thing, you know, I don't, there's no Harvey effect yet, there's no Greenbeard effect, but... <laughs> But, you know, I always like that, you know, that, that spirit of community. You know, I've always tried to have that in my broadcast. And, and you know, I don't ever want to just talk at people. I want to talk with people, you know. Right. And, uh, I think it's more important when you do it like that. You know, people people well, want to feel like they belong. Yeah, people do. They want to feel like they belong to part of a community. That, that's what it's about. And you do that really well. You engage with your friends and followers uh, in a very cool way, and that's one of the reasons why I like you. Well. <laughs> I'm also still a fan, even though we're friends, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, because that's what it's all about for me is, is you know, like people feeling like they belong to something. I mean, it's a, you know, it's kind of a like, scary challenge in time, what we've been through the last few years, you know, and, and it's been it's been amazing to grow a community alongside of this, and, and you know, to me, they just scattered the flock. That's all. That's all they did, you know, when they when they took us off our platforms and everything. But you know, people people come back together. Well, you know, we're starting over mm -hmm. uh, on on CloudHub and DLive and and Gab and all the other places where people are. But we're going to uh, grow our community back together. Yeah, yeah, they like you said, they tried to scatter us, but we're going to come back together as these platforms grow. I think as we move forward, especially. Um, after things start to happen with Trump uh, getting back in the game, and I think when the arrests happen and, and the military makes its move at some point in the future, people are going to want information. You know, what are the arrests about? What's happening with the government? What happens with all these changes? How There's going to be a lot of large-scale changes, I think, at that point. And that's going to be the time when I will probably jump back on and start doing live streams. Q starts posting, I'll start doing more, you know, more QD codes. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that I've quit, I've given up on live streaming, I'm not going to do videos. That's not the case. Unfortunately, my, my model of what I do is um, it's, it's somewhat limited. And, and I compare myself to people like Dan Bongino and Mark Levin and Sean Hannity. These guys do a, a daily show, some of them. Some of them do a weekly show. The, the problem with doing... A, a daily show is there's a lot of preparation that's required to do it. I, <laughs> the, yeah. For the two months that I was doing the, the nightly broadcast on CloudHub, holy cats, I was doing, <laughs> you know, four, five, six hours of research and then do a one-hour show. And then you have to, you know, render the video, put upload it, uh, put it on all the other platforms. It's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. I left no time for writing. Uh, a lot of these people write books, and do a daily show. Well, I got news for people. Uh, they're not writing their books. <laughs> if you do a daily broadcast, you don't have time to write a book. Yeah. You're, so you, ha you hire someone who takes your content from your podcast or your show. They aggregate that into a, a book. They edit it together, and they hand you the manuscript. You review it. You make some changes to it, and then you publish your book that somebody else wrote. Um, the way that these people write books and do podcasts and articles and all the other things they do 
is because they've got a team. They've got a team of people who research, who do the writing for them, who do a lot of that, that work, and they're the on-air personality. A lot of the, the actual work that's done is done by their, their team. Well, I don't have a team. I have me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can either write books or I can do uh, daily messages. I can't do both because yeah. <laughs> I just don't have the time to do it, right? And, uh, you know, I'm not recruiting a ghostwriter. I love writing. It's, it's what I love to do. Uh, I do broadcasts because there's a need for them. Mm -hmm. But I would be content never to do another broadcast. Uh, I would just love to write books and articles for the rest of my life. However, however, uh, at some point, easy, there's going to be a easy, 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 easy. Yeah. <laughs> at, at some point in the future, when the arrests happen, military steps in, government you know, starts getting going through a lot of changes, there's going to be a need for me to do broadcasts again. And that's when I'm going to jump back in and start doing broadcasts. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of chilling here on CloudHub and, and not doing a lot of live streams because there isn't a lot of need for it. I mean, yeah. people don't need my commentary on Joe Biden stumbling on the stairs going up to Air Force One or whatever it is that he's doing. Uh, that's, that doesn't require my insight. Well, what do you it, think the, sep you, the second fall meant, Dave? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what about the third fall? Was that a real fall? Was why was he looking? How at many shoes? steps up was it? <laughs> yeah. When Q starts posting again, we have arrests. That is when there will be a need for me to get back on, and I will jump back on. I'll be doing live streams, and I'll be doing uh, uh, doing some uploaded videos of you know QD codes and all that. But you know, right now, I I need to use my time and get some books written that have been on the back burner forever. Yeah. So, Well, I'm just uh, glad you came out here, and we're doing the Medic Monday thing, too. I think that Yeah, me too. Yeah, it, it gives me a good opportunity to, to connect with people in a venue where I don't have to be the guy, you know, coming up with doing research uh, and finding out, you know, what's going on lately because there, well, there isn't a whole lot going on, and I yeah. prefer to spend my time uh, yeah. researching the books and, and, and writing right now. So I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to reconnect with people. Amen, man. I'm giving back. All right. So, listen, we got to get out of here. Dilly's getting ready to come up. Yep. Um, yeah, we'll be keeping you and Denise in prayer. Any pr specific prayer requests or anything? Or uh, Yeah, if you guys could just pray for me to have uh, the endurance needed to finish up this book and then another one or two or three or four books because I have – it's like you, you look out and you can see the airplanes coming in on final approach as they're landing at the airport. And yeah, I've got like six books that are coming in on final approach. And I'm going to need endurance to get them all finished. <laughs> so pray for endurance and pray for revelation that God would give me understanding uh, to fill these books with the information people need. Well, Lord, we just thank you so much for Dave and Denise. Well, Lord, we just ask you to, to give him all that endurance that he needs and revelation. And, Lord, a, a clear mind and a joyful heart as he's writing. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for him. We thank you so much for this time. And uh, we just ask you to bless uh, Dave and Denise all the rest of the day today and all the rest of the week until we get together again. And, uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Amen. And thanks, everybody out there, for, for the prayers. I love them. I appreciate them. Just keep me in prayer, me and Denise. Oh, we all love you, man. All right, guys. Well, listen, I'll see you later on tonight, uh, somewhere around the 7 o'clock hour for wins of the day. All right, guys. God bless. Thank you, Dave.
Peace out. Show